Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This is a beautiful church podcast. I'm your host, Adam Whitescarver, and you're tuning into part three of four of uh, Seth Thompson and his explaining how to do ministry in a tough place and endure there and what does it take to pull that off. In this episode, he's going to talk a little bit about what his preaching looks like, how it's been influenced, and he's going to talk about how you become a church community that serves, being the kind of pastor who does, and he's going to cover uh, consumerism in the church. He's going to start getting into that conversation I will say this, you may or may not agree with everything you're going to hear Seth say. He's he's in a unique ministry situation and he's got his laser focus on that and your context might be totally different, but regardless, there are some incredibly inspiring things that he has to say. And I I really am just praying for everyone who listens that they would walk away with gosh, this guy is intense. He is for Christ, he is after him. And he's humble. You know, Seth, you may not catch it, but I'm trying to pull out of him, you know, some of the ways in which I believe the work he's doing and how he's doing it should be celebrated. We should be mindful that these are the kinds of people that uh, we need to be celebrating and raising up in the body of Christ because they're going to go and do things that few of us are, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Few of us are going to take the steps that Seth has taken. So, Try to pay attention to the the universal truths that are in there of sacrifice, of loving Jesus, of making it not all about yourself, and to love him and others well through that sacrificial love that we're called to give. Hope you enjoyed. This is part three of four with Seth Thompson. One thing that I do want to ask uh, and, and dive into a little bit with all this is, okay, so in the community that you're forming, mm-hmm. even, uh, you know, there's... There's fam, you know, families like mine, for example. We go to a small church that's kind of out in the country. I wouldn't describe it as a country church because it doesn't feel like a country church, but it's out in the country. And one of the things, you know, it does not have a lot of programs. We've had to say uh, the way in which we will be a part of this community is not by checking our kids into the children's ministry or whatever. This is a, we're going to actually do the children's ministry. We're going to actually be on the worship team. Uh, there's, there's lots of roles to fill and, and think and places to dive in. And we've had to say, well, the way we will be fed is by doing it. Uh, you're looking for something of the same sort in, in your church. You, you have so many ministry needs and it's far beyond just someone help watch the kids on a Sunday. It is, we're surrounded by people that have desperate needs that we don't even, we don't even, it's, and it's just basic stuff. I mean, you've even mentioned to me, I don't think on this podcast yet, but those kids even didn't have basic instructions on personal hygiene. Right. And uh, so, so when you're preaching, you know, you're, as you're preaching to your, your people, uh, are you having to dive into, does this affect your preaching of, of saying, hey, the way you're going to, the way you get to be part of this community is, is to be preaching in, is, is to be, uh, is to be doing the stuff. You've got to be doing the stuff. Uh, 
Yeah, it, it has affected my preaching. Um, you know, when I when I preach, um, I've I preach lectionary. I think we've talked probably talked about that. I never want to preach my own agenda. Um, and when I preach through the lectionary passages, um, which you don't know what I'm sure probably most of your people understand probably what lectionary is. Who knows? Lectionary uh, uh, would be uh, so it's it's. It's a three-year kind of um, layout of gospel, layout reading of gospel passages. Bible reading. The idea is that if you do it for three years, then essentially you've kind of preached through the whole text. Uh, whole each, Bible. Uh, yeah, whole scripture. Yeah. Um, and so um, there's four different texts generally for every week, just in some weeks have more or less. Um, there's always a gospel passage and generally an Old Testament passage, always a psalm, and then there's always kind of an alternate passage as well. And... Um, so I preach, try to preach, I do preach lectionary scriptures just because I, once again, I don't, I don't want to preach because there's things that are happening all around me. There's things that are happening in, our, in my church and there's things that you could be thematic and topic oriented much, every day and very never much, get to, very much so. Um, but I, I feel like to preach scripture I, it, and it challenges me, you know, to really study scripture, to know scripture. The beautiful thing about lectionary is a lot of the passage uh, passages every week, there's some theme and intertwining that actually between all the passages that kind of kind of happens, and um, it's, it's something not, that happens in real life with your church. No, 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 no. I mean, oh. like each passage, they they kind of go together, and it's sure. not always the case, but it's it, it actually allows me the opportunity to not just preach one passage, but I'm actually kind of using multiple passages to kind of bring home the point of scripture, which is helping my church. Really, the Bible kind of come to life because it's this realization once again that it is such a beautiful book where there's just so much intertwining and so many things um, that do go together. Um, but but I, so I never try to necessarily preach. But it's so amazing with lectionary that every passage, like you just like you were saying, I mean, it seems like right where we are as a church on a weekly basis, the lectionary passages speak into it. It's so amazing. I just, it, it, it literally boggles my mind every week. Well, I think there's something to that. We, you know, when we're, when we're on the front lines, we're never hurting for uh, there to be the best thing I've heard as a descriptor of this is like a flow or that we, we, we function as a, as a channel or as a, uh, like almost like a siphon with one end in heaven and the other on earth. Where it's just it's just going to be flowing automatically. It's it, as long as it's going out, stuff is going to be coming in. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five: the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. It's going to flow in you if you're if you're flowing out. Which we we sometimes think I think quite the opposite of that. We say, well, we've got to keep filling up until we can flow out. And well, it's not working as well for flowing out, so we've got to fill up even more before we flow out. Whereas if we want to be filled, we really just need to say, the first thing I'm going to start doing is flowing out. I've got to start doing the stuff and practicing it. It's good. That's really, really good. Um, and I believe there's a lot of truth in that um, as a whole. Yeah. So, so here's my frustration. Here's my, and, I'll, and, and I'm, I'm sure you won't uh, agree with me at all on this, but you know, there are people that there are people that are would bend over backwards to have a church like yours. At least they say they would. Uh, you know, I, gosh, I want a church where we're actually serving people, uh, or pastors will say, I want, I want a church that's, you know, doing ministry to the neighborhood or, uh, people that, you know, are, are saying, well, we've got to be, service has got to be part of what we do. 
And here you are right here uh, at a place where you're doing service. And, and the kinds of people that you need, those people, for whatever reason, aren't finding your church. Is that because all those people are just talking a good talk but not walking a good walk? Or is that because uh, they're just walking around going to churches that aren't actually doing that kind of a thing? Because there's not many churches being planted like yours. There's not many wealthy donors. Like, I, there's, there's some wealthy people that, that you know, they give to, to nonprofits. And, and I'll just say, my nonprofit is the worst of the worst in this, in that we should not exist. <laughs> there should not be a nonprofit that exists to do prayer. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that should be like, why, why are we here? Uh, but it's because the church is not doing those things that, okay, so we're going to give to a nonprofit that uh, is going to help catalyze that in the church. And, uh, and uh, you know, of course, I'm talking a little over the top. Right. There is a purpose of a nonprofit, a sure. third party that helps get churches together. Sure. I, I get it. Uh, it's not pointless. That I hope you exist. get it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I can't sleep in any night. Uh, but, but I mean, honestly, the church should work together. We should be humble enough to work together, and we should be humble enough to seek the Lord in prayer. But unfortunately, uh, I do believe that our ministry is needed for that purpose. But going back to your your church, uh, there's there's people that give to nonprofits that are that are trying to get churches to do what your church is doing. Why don't I see those people coming to this church? Why don't I see those uh, some of these wealthy people driving into your church and say, "Gosh, oh, there's a need to go reach these people. Let's start doing some stuff here." Or uh, these families that are competent in ministry for that, or or are well ordered, like a oh, the husband and wife actually get along with each other, and their kids are sane and good examples, uh, as sane as kids can be, right? Uh, that's and I, you know, I feel like I have good kids, but I'm like, wow, you guys have more energy. That feels crazy to me that you're going to do that. Uh, you know, those, those families are needed to be around. Just as an example, do you think it's because these people think, what good am I here, or am I going to be taken? Am I going to be worn out because there's not multiple other people going there? What 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 keeps families like that from coming to a church like yours on a regular basis to dive into places like this? Do you have any idea? Yeah, um, I, I think I believe consumerism in the church is Ooh, so real. He's, it's getting real now, folks. <laughs> um, so it's a blind spot. You you theorize? I think I think so. I think um, it's um, you know it, you you look around and there's there's a lot of big churches in Chattanooga that um, they have. Flashy youth groups. They have all oh, the children. Did you just say fleshy? Flashy. No, I said Fla- flashy. Oh, I was like fleshy. Not flashy. Youth groups, I said so. flashy. Um, okay. Some truth to but you know, on Sunday morning, it's it's a concert. Um, you know, you definitely get that concert feel and you get that vibe. And once I'm sounds trying to say that that's wrong, um, but we're so easy in the church, uh, or at least church. I feel like as church people. If we either disagree about one thing or if something we feel like doesn't suit our needs or our desires, right. then we're so fast to jump ship and say, well, I'll just go. There's a car horn right there. Okay. Um, we are at a church. We are at a by church. Our roadside. Yes. Yeah, so you'll hear a car horn. Uh, and if you hear like ranches and stuff, then the garage next door is probably doing some of that too. So um, you may hear an ambulance that come through here all the time as well. So, um, but. Uh, to me, a lot of it you go back to is, is, is once again, just this idea of consumerism of, um, once again, what's in it for me. Um, 
at church. And you think we're judging me? the wrong things? Like, um, you know, so for so for people that are you know top notch leaders, mm-hmm. sharp people, they're going to show up at church and they're going to say, "Well, the worship's not really good, that great in this church. I'm not going to go to this church." Right. And I totally missing. And I'm not saying that's not important, but are you majoring on a on a on a minor or as a secondary thing? Like, what's the most important thing that we could be doing as a body? Or do we do we are we scrutinizing as how good is this church at loving its neighbors versus how good is the pastor's sermon? Mm-hmm. How eloquent of an orator is the pastor? Rather than there goes our ambulance. <laughs> Rather than, uh, you know, he's he's talking about the life of God. The life of God is present here. I'm I'm around people that Jesus would be around. Uh, is is that what is that part of our problem? Is that what we're doing when we're saying unless they they're up to snuff here? Because I I haven't been to your church on a Sunday, but I'm guessing. Uh, you don't have the most fantastic praise and worship band if you have a praise and worship band. Well, I play piano, so you know. Okay. <laughs> Is that for real? You're the piano player too? I am piano player. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> so people would be like, Seth is just not up to stuff. Or how embarrassing the pastor's having yeah. to do the music plus exactly. the sermon too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, when know. really it's a monumental effort that, you're, that you've already done. I mean, I, I don't know of a single... any Guys, just so you know... Uh, the the other pastors that I know that have heard Seth's story and say what an effort he's making, they're they're scrutinizing of his job and they're saying I couldn't do what he he does. It's stunning to me. That's that's pretty much the to the to the man the word that I hear back about him and that I would bear witness to as well. His job is is hard and it would be really helpful to have some of those people come in to say all right fine I want to roll up my sleeves and be right in the middle of that and rather than coming to a community about. There should be some measure of what am I getting? I think that's truth. I, I don't think that God designed us to not be mindful of what we're getting, but rather than what I'm getting be a service to me, I'm getting the the potential, the opportunity to roll up my sleeves and do something for the kingdom, to be a participant in the kingdom and have front lines work that's hard and and a battle, but meaningful. Well, I think consumerism goes much further than just the pastor sermons, the pastor songs. Um, I think consumerism goes into what we prioritize with our time. Right. Um, I'm not saying this is bad, but if there's something going on at the church service opportunity, or are we going to go to, and once again, I'm not, and this is just probably one of the most common ones, but are we going to go to the ball field to make sure our kids play baseball? Um, what generally probably wins out. And once again, not saying ministry can't happen at the ball fields, you know what I'm saying? Um, but to me, the consumerism has so taken over our lives and we are so good at compartmentalizing our lives. Right. We have made church into something where we want Sunday morning, maybe sometimes Sunday night and Wednesday night. And then we don't want to have to deal with it or do anything that's going to push us any further. 
And, and I think that's a form of consumerism as well. And, um, and so I think there's all different kind of aspects. And I think we are looking at it in the wrong way. Once again, when you come into, once again, cause our music, it's, I, I mean, I love it. Um, you know, we do a blended worship where we sing some hymns and we sing some newer songs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we have a praise team. We have an amazing trumpet player and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and she's just like, and so, um, but please tell me that you let your trump. I'm a trumpet player, so please tell me you let your trumpet player play something else other than these are the days of Elijah. Oh, she plays. You do. You just say yes. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Because there's that. You know that yeah. at the trumpet call. Uh, da, 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 that's all you get. Well, we don't sing that song. So good. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Um, Love your trumpet maybe, players. Maybe we Love should. Love your trumpet uh, players. Bring that on. Um, no, she plays completely by ear. Um, oh, wow. We put music in front of her, but she just plays by ear. She's she's absolutely wonderful. Does a really good job. Um, but I think consumerism it, it has gone so vastly beyond just even our church experience to, to our priorities is what do we prioritize within our lives, and, um, and 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 you know that's a big deal because the reality of kingdom is kingdom should affect every aspect of our life. It should. Right. If it really is a mindset like we were kind of handed on earlier, the mindset doesn't start when you enter into a church building and then end when you leave church. But it truly is something that it should literally affect every aspect of our life. Um, it should inform all of our decisions. It should inform, you know, um, sometimes the people we interact with. It should inform Sometimes the people we interact with, because we're not interacting with enough sinners, that should inform, you know, like it should inform every every aspect of our lives. And when we just compartmentalize, um, you know, God, and we try to put him in this box, and we say, "All right, God, I've got this nice, neat, nice, neat box. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to check him off, check you off my list. I've done you, and I'll see you again next week." Well, then it's it's not real, you know. It's not really living the kingdom. It's not really what God calls us to do. And when you're trying to do some of the things that we are trying to do, it exposes that. I don't know if that makes sense, right? Um, right. And and a lot of people struggle because we don't want to be exposed, um, and and we don't want to be called out. Um, <laughs> and so you know when you're when you're really living it, but you know what. Well, Look at Jesus, the life of Jesus. What was he about? He was he was about loving people, but he also exposed the religion of the day right. for not truly fully understanding or fully grasping who he was and who he desired for the world to be, or so, for them to be in the world. So what do you do with, uh, you have parents that say, well, I don't want my kids around those kids. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? It's it's been a journey. We're still learning. Um, okay. I, I don't. I won't. I wouldn't say that we're a hundred percent there. But for me, it's it's an informing them that, um, and once again, it's just letting them know, hey, this this is who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. This is what Jesus calls the church to. And families is can to be love the unlovable, and and it's your responsibility to teach your kids, your grandkids that reality and if you're not teaching them that then you're really not teaching them jesus and so you really have to actually almost kind of call out the parents and be like hey this is your responsibility to teach we will try to teach and we'll try um 
And then you also try to, once again, talk to your kids. Like talk to the kids that potentially are struggling and let them know um, that God, once again, it doesn't matter how young, how old we are, God calls us to live in this kingdom mindset that lowers ourselves. We think much less of ourselves and we elevate others above ourselves. And it, does, it doesn't, it starts when we're young, you know, like. Right. Uh, so know. do you think this consumerism also affects. Sorry. Uh, so do you think this consumerism also affects pastors? Absolutely. In the kind of church that they're going to be willing to, to be at, or do you think it's, you know, cause I, I think there's probably two things at least that I can observe. Some are, well, that's just too hard of a call. I don't want to die there. Basically mm-hmm. the other ones uh, that might be gung ho, they start out maybe like you, but then they burn out mm-hmm. quickly because they don't have some of those practices we've talked about previously. How, how do you think uh, this consumerism affects pastors? Do you think, I'll say at least for me, my temptations in this would be, well, we need a praise band this good, or we need sermons that are this refined, uh, as opposed to just saying, I'm going to do, to some degree, the kind of street preaching of the Wesleyans, which is your family of churches, you know. What, what do you think of that? How, how does consumerism manifest itself for pastors? Um, and what do they, what would you say, brothers, be on guard for this? I, I think consumerism enters into our definition of success. What do we consider success in Ooh. ministry? Ooh. Um, He's hammering. He's hammering. <laughs> We're going to call him Seth the Hammer Thompson. Um, you know, me and the Church of the Nazarene, I have to report numbers. I have to report income. I have to report how many we had in Sunday school. I have to. And so for me, how I am judged by my peers or by the people who are over me, the only thing, lots of times, the only thing they really see is is just numbers. And it's so easy for me to say, man, if that's what I'm being judged by, I need to make sure that I am doing these things that will draw people in. Um, or it's not a success because I'm, this, this is what I'm reporting right. as a success. And so you, I ha, I've had to just really strip that down and say, you know what? Once again, that's me finding my identity, not in the cross, not in Jesus, but that's me finding success, my identity and my success and something else. And so, so do you think it's the, the pastors are, you're, you're kind of, I feel like it's a little bit of a pass for the pastors. In other words, you're not. You're not such a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these are the pressures put on you. And, but if you conform yourself to those pressures, you're going to have a hard time keeping your head on straight. Right. So do you, so here's one thing I see nonprofits doing yeah. that really minister to the poor. Mm-hmm. They do a great job, the ones that are successful. They do report numbers, but they make numbers almost the secondary thing. The primary thing that they report is numerous individual testimonies within the context, and then they give... The context of those individual testimonies are, here's our numbers. But the primary thing is, look at these stories. So they would give this example of the story of these young boys that have been coming, that had no one to help them, and they sort of gradually started learning these things. Our data points are qualitative mm-hmm. rather than quantitative. Do you think there's something for pastors that are in a situation like yours, or who are thinking about a, consider, uh, you know, a situation like yours, to say, first of all, I have to redefine success not only for myself, but for the denomination leaders that are above me leading up well, but also for fundraising in order to get the job done. Is that, would that, would that be part of this, the whole picture of how to accomplish what, you know, you really, you want to be somebody who 
uh, uncompromisingly reaches people for Christ, here's something that you need to do. Would that be part of the recipe? Is there other things that I'm missing or am I off base in saying those sorts of things? I don't know. I'm trying to think through um, uh, some of that uh, within my own life. Um, kind of hit me one more time with some of that that you were saying. I know, like, once again, just trying to process. Well, you know, they if if you're um, the non- nonprofits that sort of like people that work with homeless ministries. Right. It's sometimes the numbers are exciting. We fed this right. many people, but they'll give an example like Bob was in such and such shape. He came to our ministry and Bob is doing better now. And here's Bob's story. Right. Do you want to have more stories like Bob give to our ministry? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I almost feel like that. So that's an individual example. We, you know, do we is that are, um, if we're in a situation where we're trying to do a ministry like that, you know, uh, is that something that we need to, we sort of need to redefine success for? Like for me, yeah. I teach, you know, I was, I was a youth pastor at a church. I had a decent sized youth group. Now I teach children's catechism at a small church and my kids range from four years old to 19 in that class. Yeah. Now the older ones, part of how I'm having to measure success is, well, these kids didn't even uh, know how to, express their faith better or, right. or lead smaller little people. So I'm getting the older kids engaged as leaders. The little kids, they don't have vast things memorized, but I'll, I'll get them to come up and they'll, they were terrified to pray up front and now they'll pray up front or they sure. know certain little theological things. Yeah. But if I'm judging that class by its numbers, I'm just never going to feel that good That's because right. some weeks I have literally three or four kids in the class. Yeah. Other weeks I'll have like 18, sure. but the average isn't, you know, it's not even approaching mm-hmm. where it was, and I'm not in control of the vast right. majority of those things. Right. So why am I going to keep doing that yeah. in a small church context? What is, how am I met defining and measuring that success? success? Well, you know, for a pastor, there's nothing, I think, more exciting for a pastor, and this might just be me, than when you begin to see peoples in your congregation, you begin to see, like, light bulbs go off. Like, I get it. You know, or they'll right. ask a question, and it'd be like... Yeah, that's the Your right question. Your question reveals understanding. <laughs> yes, that's the right yes. question yes. you need to be asking. That is the right question. And um, once again, I think when we are just so focused on programs and we're so focused on numbers, it's it's so easy, once again, to forget that we're called to shepherd and to pastor and to really make sure that the spiritual maturity of our people, we forget discipleship. And to me, that's something as the church as a whole is what does it really mean to make disciples? Because, I mean, at the core of, of really a lot of what we should be doing is, is that's it, is is making disciples. Um, but it's it's so easy to lose out on that when we... And so maybe that is maybe more so of what the success is, is, is what does it mean to make disciples? Um, and like I said, I say that's something that I am continually working through of, is, well, what does it mean for Fairview Church of the Nazarene for us to be able to... But I... I I would care more for somebody just to understand than to just have somebody walk through our door to, to get a, a deeper glimpse of, Hey, this is kingdom and this is kingdom mindedness. Hey, this is what the mindset should look like. If I can get my people there, then I think everything else will take care of itself. You so, know what I'm saying? So maybe the warning to pastors, if we're coming back to that idea, as far as not being consumeristic, would right. be to say, guard yourself for your, the de- what you consider a win. Right. What your definition of success is, exactly. because 
you could be tied up in consumeristic things that keep you from the main point. Exactly. Well, from doing, well, really what we were called to do in the first place, right. you know? Right. Helping, and, helping souls, winning yeah, souls to Christ. Winning souls. And then teaching them and then sending them out. All right. So we had to cut that off because that was about the best breaking point. When we get back on the final part of this entire episode, or sorry, of this entire series with Seth, four-part series, uh, he's going to continue in his conversation on consumerism, and I believe you will enjoy the grand finale of Seth Thompson's interview. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.